Hey gang, welcome to the Your Basket is Empty pod, a space where I sit down with agencies, brands, and original e-com thinkers to discuss their journey, practical advice, and how they're navigating the current digital landscape. Your Basket is Empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct-to-consumer news, interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. Go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On this episode, I'm speaking with Ben Reed, founder of Redeployable, a hiring platform on a mission to match 5,000 veterans with high growth tech roles in the next five years. And we're going to be discussing how to build a purpose-driven platform. We touch on the power of having a purpose, the similarities between dating and hiring, the huge potential of ex-service people, humanizing SaaS branding with humor, and the power of ambition coupled with trusting your gut. Before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by my good friends at OmniSend. You might have heard things like email marketing is expensive, has low ROI, or is too complicated. Now, what if I told you these are all myths? In reality, email marketing can be affordable, bring in a great return on investment, and is incredibly straightforward. Or at least, that's all true if you used OmniSend, the email marketing and SMS platform used by more than 100,000 e-commerce brands to attract, convert, and keep new customers. OmniSend is intuitive, packed with pre-built templates and automation workflows, and guess what? It's 40% cheaper than the leading e-commerce marketing platforms. Worried about ROI? In 2022, OmniSend's merchants enjoyed a staggering average return on investment of $72 per every dollar spent, which is double the industry average of $36. And if you ever need help, get your questions answered in under three minutes by an award-winning support team that's available 24-7 even during busy days like Black Friday and Christmas. So don't let Miss hold you back. Experience email marketing that really sells with OmniSend. Find out more at getomnisend.com slash your basket is empty and give your e-commerce brand the boost it deserves. Ben, welcome to the pod. How are you and where are you? Tim, I've watched, uh, well, watched and listened to the pod for I don't know how long now. So I'm really pleased that you've invited me on. Thanks. Um, I'm in my office in my garden in, in about, about 45 minutes outside of London in Hampshire. Nice. And was this a uh, COVID construct, the office, or this was a pre-2020 building? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, so I, I was remote before COVID. I just wanted to add that in. But actually, during COVID, I decided to move my work outside of the house because it was just going a bit too much. So yeah. I've got like the mental, the mental divide now of just stepping outside my back door, walking for five meters and then I'm in, in, work, in work. So yeah. Do you find that helps though? I feel like just having a physical sort of separation is probably a good thing. Pre-child, pre-child it helped. Like at the moment I've got like a 20 month old slamming, slamming his hands on the, uh, nice. on the doors in, in the morning. Yeah. But yeah, g- generally for me, for me, I know, and my wife knows as well, you know, if I'm in, I'm in the office, I'm generally like w- working, doing things. So she'll, she'll treat it like I'm in the office rather than just popping in and, you know, asking nice. questions so. <laughs> as opposed to you like being a neighbor and just like coming in and like wanting to have a coffee or like, you know, borrow some sugar or whatever. Yeah. 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 She, she knows the boundaries. She knows the boundaries. Okay. I'm going to start off with a rather philosophical question because I like to challenge the audience here. So you're trying to redefine what it means to have military experience and framing that as a competitive advantage. Tell me how it's going. Yeah, it's going, it's going well. Like it's, it's a funny question, isn't it? When people ask startup founders, like, how's it going? And you really, you find it really difficult to articulate like really how it's going because especially if you're a first time founder, you don't, you don't actually know how it's going. Uh, so it's going, it seems like it's going well. We're, we're getting in traction, which is like the most important thing for us both on the military side, but also from a, from an employer perspective. Um, the rhetoric I think around veterans is, 
is deep-seated from, you know, films, TV, the way people generally think about fought from the military if they don't have anyone who, who they know who've been in, who's been in the military. So it's just really uh, reframing and just really helping people to understand that military people aren't all, you know, hunt and kill, shooting people. That That's not generally what, what they do. They're from all different types of walks of life, all different trades, all different backgrounds, highly skilled. So it's been a good journey so far. You know, 16 months we're in. Um, and, you know, I can see us gaining that traction now. So it's exciting. We've got the team. Um, so it's fun. It's fun. Nice. Well, it's probably a good segue. Just define what redeployable is in its current form. I know we're going to talk about maybe some of the inceptions of the business, but yeah, what is it right now? Yeah, in its current form. So a bit of a mix between a services business and in a week and a half a tech business. Like the <laughs> long the longer term aspiration is is the kind of tech. But fundamentally we analyze people's skills from the military and match them to roles within certain industries and certain functions within those industries. So from a services perspective, that's recruitment, right? Like, you know, hey, redeployable, we need to find an implementation consultant and we go yeah. out and find find those, those people. From a tech perspective, it's an algorithm, it's data, it's understanding preference data, experiences, and then what employees are looking for. And then a bit like a Tinder, it's then matching uh, those candidates to, to the employer so they can speak to them you know, have a great conversation and hire them. I want to get on to the uh, similarities of dating in a little bit because you and I have talked about that. But before we get into it, uh, my observations are that it's rare to find a business with an actual purpose. I think a lot of people talk about it, but if you really drill down, a lot of them don't. I feel that you have. <laughs> How important is that? Do you think this could have worked without it? And generally, what do you think about like purpose-led businesses? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you talk about like mission. So people from the military have always been focused on mission. Like everyone understands mission in the business. So actually, being a mission-driven business is is an easy thing. Like we're not all military in the business, but the majority of us are. The business was like formed from the mission, right? Like I, I started the business because I came from the military. Mm-hmm. I got into tech, eventually got into e-com tech. You know, I loved it. I thought it was great. But some people don't know that my brothers did exactly the same as in the artillery. He now works for a, a big WMS um, kind of uh, OMS a company, big, I say big, uh, a com- company in, in Atlanta called Posco. So he did the same. My sister's just, um, my sister's just got out of the Royal Engineers after 24 years She's just got into DXC technology in Manchester, so massive, big mm-hmm. tech company. So there's a, there is a lot of purpose behind it from my perspective. But then it, it's easy to get the team on board because they've all been through it as well, right? The majority have been through it. Oh, they've got some links to the military in the business. So I just think the mission values, the purpose side of the business is, for me, the most important thing. I bang on about it a lot. I had my mission before I started to to hire people. I had my mission. I had my values. I had my purpose. But actually, when we got the team together, the first thing we did is get together in in London and and scrap that, get rid of it, get rid of my my mission, my values, my purpose, and then come together as a team and form that mission, values, purpose. So it's ours. It's not mine. And I think that's the best way to operate. For me, for me, it makes sense as a business owner to get everybody on board and and make it theirs as well as mine, so we can grow the business properly. Yeah, totally. I mean, like it's hard to get buy-in if people don't have that kind of voice, right? And um, I do think it's interesting when people try and, and I've been through the experience of like reinventing a mission and values once you're like 
like 30 people deep, 40, 50, you know, and it becomes quite difficult because you're going to try and find that balance between getting people involved and getting the buy-in versus too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think you probably got it at a good time, right? Like once it becomes a bit too unwieldy, it's kind of hard to to find that balance between top down and kind of bottom up. But I want to talk about like the, the sort of more specific experience of somebody in the military and then like SaaS tech or e-com tech sales, right? So you've mentioned that military folk are primed to obliterate your sales targets. Why do you think they make <laughs> such strong hearts? Like, I mean, from my perspective, I assume like incredibly driven, goal-oriented, proactive, all that sort of stuff. But is, is that true? Is it more than that? Explain to me why you think they make great salespeople. Yeah, and I think that's an, this is an evolution for, for the business as well. We started When I started the business, we started military people into tech sales because that's what I knew. I knew tech sales and I knew military people, so I connected the, the dots. We do more than that, um, but I, I've got a big focus for me on sales because I, li- I moved into that space and I enjoyed that space. So it's re- relatable to me. I can talk about it. I think there are a number of things that you can consider for people getting out of the forces, but everybody's not the same. So mm-hmm. you've got to consider that as well. You know, you've mm-hmm. got pilots. We, we put pilots into sales positions. We've put mm-hmm. engineers into sales positions. I mean, even talking e-com wise, we've put a Royal Military Police lady into e-com tech sales. We've put uh, somebody who calls an airport for the infantry soldiers on the ground into e-com tech sales. So that. The people you've you've got like fundamental uh, characteristics that are drilled into everybody. You talk about that empathy. You talk like work ethic, mission driven for uh, incredible like level of of loyalty um, and like selfless commitment. But then you've got additional skill sets from people depending on where they've been in their life. So you consider myself as an aircraft engineer. You know, like highly process driven, relatively technical, like not as technical as a, a, as someone who's kind of developing software, but an understanding of technical systems, um, a level of integrity that is sec- second to none, right? You can't, you cannot fix aircraft that people are going to fly. in if you, if you don't have that level of integrity, you always, you need to be honest with what you do. So you, I think you consider like the best, best things that work ethic, that drive, that resilience, but then start to consider what the people have done in the military before they kind of hit civilian life. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting subject for me because veterans are so broad. Military people is like mm-hmm. that's such a broad term. It's like saying like a tech company. You know, I'm a tech person. Well, if you work for a tech company, what implementation consultants, totally BD, yeah, BDRs, yeah, yeah. salespeople, product managers, bloody C, CPOs, CMOs. Yeah. Did, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you say, I'm a, I'm a tech person, but actually. What does that actually mean? And, and, I, and I, it's so relatable to the military. There's just so many different kinds of characteristics. Yeah, it's interesting though. Like it, it definitely feels like the the core values of something like a big institution, right? Which the military is, right? Is kind of like that interesting ground for the basis of somebody to come into a company because they've got this kind of pre-built core attributes, kind of like what you say, like, you know, you're not having to like reteach them. And I think, I mean, it's kind of interesting because I feel like some of the, you know, outward facing traditional sales tropes are none of that, none of those things, right? Like, you know, you and I both in sales and I think like we can agree that there's a lot of fucking slime balls and like re-evaluating that and coming at it from a a point of integrity and that kind of like core positioning and attribute from a military perspective or, you know, a well-defined institution, I think is a really interesting spot to be in. Like that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So you work with big companies and small companies, right? You know, we talked about Meta before we jumped on the call, like huge. Who's 
better to work with? What have you learned from working with kind of like the big ones and the small ones or is it totally different? Yeah, I don't want to alienate big ones or small ones, so I'll, I'll try and keep it relatively neutral. <laughs> you know, we speak, we speak to a lot of different ones. Um, I think it's like anything. You Well, just like stepping back, and then I think this relay into the question, but, you know, these slime balls in the world of SaaS, we talk about recurring revenue all the time and getting customers to impact and like lifetime value to CAC and like all, you know, what it means to grow as a SaaS business. The slime balls who are selling bad deals like aren't going to last long, in my opinion, in this totally. world now. You've got you've got to sell you've got to sell good deals where you get the customer to impact as quickly as possible, because fundamentally, if you don't, they're going to churn, and that's going to kill the business. So I think there's that, like as a as a key point, is like that level of integrity and commitment and loyalty and empathy actually lays lays really really nicely into like the SaaS world. Back to your question on the different size businesses, I think it's like anything, like selling enterprise to selling startup scale up. Like it's just a completely different sales process is the starting point. And, you know, we're only a small team. So navigating someone like a Meta or navigating someone like a Schneider Electric or, a, you know, 80,000, 100,000 people companies, it's just a different game, different stakeholders who want different things. Um, it's a longer process. So we, We've done a lot more business from an SME, like startup scale up perspective, because it just, you know, the velocity the the deals are quicker, right? You mm. you, you mm. get to the you get to the decision make maker quickly. They're moving relatively relatively fast as well. So, and then that boils down to your point of like, what is your ideal client profile for us as a business? Like, we if we can speak to a, if we can speak to you know a close brothers who are six and a half thousand people, and, and work with them. And we can speak to a ten-person company and work with them as well. Like, where should we, where should we point our time? You know, so you know, it's it's interesting. Wildly different, though. I would say both sizes of businesses. And if you found that, like, generally speaking, because to me the proposition sounds very clear, very crisp, and it just makes loads of sense. But like you said, there's kind of like a, a connotation that comes with ex-military. Have have people been like broadly just all receptive to it? Have you had pushback? If so, how have you kind of navigated some of those conversations? Yeah, it's um, the best moments. Best moments I've I've had since starting the business are actually convincing, uh, and it sometimes takes a bit of convincing, like a head of sales or a head of growth, just to meet. So in particular, more for senior sales roles, just happened recently. I, I won't say that we've got a case study getting developed at the moment, so I won't say the name of the company just yet. There is a 650-person kind of consultancy in the tech space, and they've been interviewing for one BDM, business development manager, so an account executive, uh, yeah. for four months now. They've, they've interviewed over 100 people, and I said to the head of growth, I'd been speaking to them a while, I got introduced to them, I said, just let me introduce you to two people. They've got no sales experience. They were looking for three years sales experience. So just let me introduce two people and I'll give you a flavor for what it's all about. So I introduced them to a lady who's a, uh, an engineering officer, been in for six years, seven years, and we introduced them to a Navy pilot. They interviewed both. They said they're the best people they've, they've interviewed full stop and they created a new position for the second person. So they hired both off that conversation so both people no sales experience going into bdm roles for the company on a, on a good wage because not because they've got the direct sales experience but because they've got experience in other areas which is all about managing projects being yeah. consultative yeah you know managing budgets you know that you do all of that in the military it's just translating it across so 
they're my favorite moments when there's like that like that switch of a of a of a person or a company going oh sh- shit these are you know these are mega like these are really good people so but you do get pushed back yeah 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 that's that's super interesting i think i think it and i suppose yeah so just touching on that point so do you find that as you go further up the chain in the sense of the more seniority of the role because you need you kind of need more surgeon type people you know they're quite specialist is that where it can become a little bit more challenging if they don't have the sort of exact domain experience one's looking for yeah well it really depends on the function right like you're not gonna you're not going to get somebody from the military out into a senior account executive role at Oracle. You're just not. The complex solutions, difficult sales cycle, never sold. Like the reality is probably not. I think that relates to a number of areas. Like they're not going to jump straight out into a you know software engineering role if they've never been a software engineer. Right? It's just it's just not the case. In terms of seniority, though, there are roles in which people get out and get into because they have a certain set of like domain experience. So, as an example, chief people officers, chiefs of staff, big ones. I see a lot of that in startups and scale ups because they know how to manage people, they know how to manage culture, they know how to manage process. So, it doesn't matter the application, really. You know, they, they get out into those roles quite easily. My sister's just done something relatively similar, to be honest, for, for, for DXC. So, you know, really good, well-paid job, not a junior role, relatively senior, uh, just because of what she's done relates to the, the world. So um, it really depends on function, I would say, and also the seniority of the person in the military. You get people leaving the military after four years, you know, they're tw- 22, you know, versus someone who's been in for 15 years and is super accomplished, you know. so it's- Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and they would have seen so much interesting. The, the, the chief of staff and the head of people are very interesting. I wouldn't have thought about that. But that's like, I mean, having somebody that's like, <laughs> I imagine managing people in, in the military, one, one could maybe assume that it's, it's easy because everyone like falls into line, but that wouldn't be the case at all. It must be really difficult, right? You're still dealing with a bunch of humans from all different backgrounds. So like... It's, de- it's definitely, it's the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the opposite of that. It's carnage. They've got to manage car. It's like, you know, it's like, it's 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 not carnage. That's it, probably the wrong way to describe it, but it's definitely not a walk in the park managing a, t- a ton of people, right? My sister man- was managing four hundred troops, you know, in a regiment. Fucking like hell. that's not a- an easy feat because you're always going to get someone fucking up, right? There's always going to be someone <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, on a daily <laughs> basis, I imagine. So uh, at, the, at kind of the, like the start of the conversation, you mentioned Tinder, and you and I talked about the similarities between kind of what you're doing and dating, and how do you see it as a crossover? I know you've hired, um, is Annabelle, right? For your, your marketing yeah, person? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. She's come from, from a, a dating app um, background. So yeah, talk me yeah. through why you think though there is crossover between the kind of slightly different worlds. I think it's the way we present information to the, to the candidates as well, to the veterans. Like we, we treat them, although they're not a paying customer, we charge people from the military nothing. It's more of a, a B2B business, but we treat them... In, in the same way, if you will, from a user experience perspective, as we do with the employers. And fundamentally, without the people, then we haven't got a product, right? We're trying to get yeah. the best of the best military people in to, to kind of get in, get them into roles. When we present the information to them, we're trying to standardize the way that they see information so they can learn about, you know, what he likes to do in his spare time or what, you know, his family life or whatever you want to learn about that person while you're dating. We do exactly the same in cards on the platform, right? 
company information on the left-hand side. They know where to find the mission. They know where to find the values of the company. They know where to find veterans at the company so they can see who else is at the company that's been in the military. They know where to find the benefits. So we standardise, which has been a pain in the arse to do, actually, uh, in terms of <laughs> development. Um, but I think it's the, the right thing to do. Um, so we give them cards. So these cards are curated based on everything we know about both sides. The first card being the best fit. It's, it's very much like dating in a sense that we, as we evolve as a business, we want to start to learn from people's decisions. We want to start to send them cards that are the best fit or might be a good fit based on somebody else's background and the job that they got for another company. So I see it in that way where it's like a two-sided marketplace and we're matching people to specific things, which is very much like dating. And I want to switch gears slightly. Um you talk a lot, and we've we kind of touched on it there about building kind of like resilient culture in the workplace. Um, so, w- what have you kind of learned from your time in the service, and then like, I suppose applying that both into the world prior, you know, SaaS, ecom, tech, and then now starting your own thing. Like, how important do you think that is? And we talked about the mission and the values. How do you kind of like take that and wrap it into culture? How do you think about culture? Yeah, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I went to a a workshop um, with an amazing agency, like a culture agency called Unleashed, probably three or four weeks ago. The best Tim, the best website I've ever seen. By the way, you need to check that out. Oh, um, do they do they do like HR kind of consulting? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I've, I've come across those before. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I just love the website. It, it is just mega. I could I could look at it all day. Um, so so I, w- I was there and we, we were speaking about we were doing a roundtable on culture and uh, some of the challenges that some of these founders were facing and just everything they were talking about is just like standard standard operating procedures in the military. It's just, it made me think about the things that you learn in the military. And I, I wasn't in kinetic tours, you know, where culture really matters, you know, for the, for the guys on the ground and the girls on the ground. But the things we were saying, is just stand standard things for me from a leadership perspective. And then when you start to think about it, what, what other career job do you have where you, you go into leadership training when you're 20 year old, then mm. when you're promoting again, when you're 23, then when you maybe 27. So you're going through intensive leadership training throughout your whole career. And that's all about the culture and all about how you manage people and manage difficult situations. So I think looking back at it, I never recognized it until I, I was in these workshops and started to think about these things and the things that I naturally do, I think just come from the military. Like, being a sense like team we've got such a good team we all bond a level of like sense of humor yeah. like gotta have some some a sense of humor we've got an amazing sense of humor and we want that to come out as a brand as well right like it's that's what we're we're like day to day let's kind of project that out so i think there are a number of things that you need to do like accountability making sure that people can fail and they don't feel like they're under pressure because they've failed and as long as they don't fail in the same way again like i just think yeah it's an interesting subject for me, but it's like, how do you, how do you explain that to many, many companies? If, if you know what I mean? Like, how do you, we're trying to market leadership, right? Like these people are leaders. The 22 year old is a leader. 24 year old is a leader. How do you get that across? So the things I'm saying now from a marketing perspective, you get that across to many rather than just me talking to you and me talking to another company um, is something that I've been racking my brains for a while now. On That's a tough one, right? Yeah. I think like, I mean, my, my sense is that you've got all the key ingredients there, right? I, I think, honestly, it really boils down to having a very clear mission, vision, why, all that sort of stuff. So I don't necessarily buy 
and I know you're good mates with Ollie, and I know he would he would <laughs> confirm this. I don't believe into the, the Simon Sinek why. I think it's it's totally overused, and I think there's so many companies that don't really need a why. It's fine to just want to be a cool company and do cool shit and make money. Like, and and I think you know I've done it a lot with my clients. Like, we have these workshops. We're trying to find the why, and I'm like racking my brain. I'm like. Do you guys really get up every morning and want to build websites for these people, these brands? <laughs> and like they do to some degree. I think they're craftspeople. They love to craft shit and like produce these amazing things. They love the work. That's what they love. They love the work. But is do, does everyone in the company love the work? Probably not. Whereas I think with you guys, you've got a very, very clear, whether it's a why, it's just a very clear arrowhead, right? It's just super, super, super crisp and clear to me. So I think building that as the kind of like that's the the core, and then you can build this stuff around it. I mean. I think the question is going more into like branding and messaging territory, right? Which is, that's not my expertise. You know, that's where you want to go and hire a branding agency and pay them shitloads of money to figure it out for you or whatever. But like, yeah, I think that is an interesting concept. How do you define what it is internally and then sort of talk about it externally in a way that's like in line with the direction of travel and whatever, you know, your tone of voice. The, the, the concept of humor, I think, is a very interesting one that you touch on. I, I think that's underrated as like a bit of a cultural nugget. You know what I mean? Like not taking yourselves too seriously. It's like having a bit of humor baked into the culture, I think is a really, really important thing. And I think sometimes it gets overlooked as in terms of its importance. Yeah, 100%. And I always... W- don't worry about it, but like where you, where the line is, right? Where where you, where the line is to be then maybe not look professional. So there's like yeah. there's got to be a, there's a there's a line somewhere, right? And I would go, I would keep pushing and pushing from a human perspective because I think everything's so boring. Like there's a lot of boring stuff. I'm so bored with like just boringness. And it's like how how do you like make this not boring and. Annabelle knows the things I said to her. She must be like, oh my God, Ben's at it again. But it's like, <laughs> how, are we, how are we announcing companies, you know? How are we announcing companies, like the companies we're working with? Do we do a, we're delighted to work with little video slider or we do a rocket launching in the air with a guy counting down from five or like a, you know, like just something different that j- it just isn't as boring. So I don't know. I'm I'm big on trying to, just trying to mix it up a little bit but it's just like how far do you go i don't know how far i'm sure we'll find a limit good i think you having that natural tension between you you and annabelle in a good way is a good thing right that means you're you're pushing the envelope which is, which is a good thing i'm curious though uh you've been doing this for a little while now what have been like your biggest like learnings thus far maybe biggest mistakes if you want to divulge them it doesn't matter what your intentions are initially like it will if you're an ambitious and you if you're ambitious or you've got a level of ambition, uh, it will evolve into something that you never imagined it to evolve into. Someone gave me some great advice. He'd been to Y Combinator. We're talking about raising money. And uh, mm-hmm. he was saying, don't um, prioritize equity, how much equity you're giving away. Just take the cash and start building because whatever you think you might be building right now, you might be building a bank in two years. Like he says, you don't know, you don't know what you're going to be doing. Whatever you think it is now, it's probably going to be different in two years. And that is such good advice for me because it's like, it's true. You know, we can agonize over the little decisions now or we can just get on with it and see what happens, you know, and take a calculated risk, right? It's all a risk. But I think that's the one big learning for me is like, who knows like where we're going. We come up with new ideas, you get new inspiration and, you know, pivoting, I don't think it's a terrible idea. 
yeah. um, if, if, if it goes that way. So that's probably my biggest learning. Biggest mistake is an interesting one. I don't really regret anything, Tim, to be honest. Like I'm pretty, pretty, I'm pretty happy with everything that I've done. Um, I don't know what you would define. What do you define as a mistake? Like that's the <laughs> spending time on big organizations, getting on their PSL, becoming a vendor of them uh, with always a red flag in my mind. I did, I did exactly that for a long time and I did not listen to my intuition because I was following the bloody big company and the, uh, the fact that they're doing, you know, nearly 2 billion a year and like, Oh, we need to go and work with them because we get their logo yeah, yeah, on our yeah, website. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's probably the biggest, I've done it twice actually. Biggest waste of time uh, for me is like, because that's a lot of, for a startup, you know, it's a lot of effort. And I was at that point, I was a one man band. So I was literally on my own. So I got on the PSL of these companies on my own, it took me a long time. And then actually nothing really came of it because I didn't listen to my intuition. So that's a big one, isn't it? I reckon, I think they're two very interesting pieces of advice, right? So, I mean, I think I can boil down the first one and, and maybe this is a crude way of looking at it, but it's like, uh, you, we don't really know what's going on <laughs> in the world in two years time. So make decisions based on now and then just go with it, right? Just run with it. And I think the ambition thing's super, super interesting because talk is cheap, right? So many people talk about starting shit and doing shit and people rarely do it. That's, that's the difference. And in fact, my sense is that's whatever you want to call it. Like that's what an entrepreneur kind of is, or that's the entrepreneurial spirit or whatever it is. It's the like, I'm going to do the thing, whether it's a shitty idea or it's a great idea. It's the gumption to do it. Right. It's the thing that you're like, okay, I'm actually going to do this thing. And then you got to strap yourself in and see what happens. But yeah, trusting your gut is a really underrated thing, isn't it? I reckon, especially yeah. if you're, you know, like if, if one has got their head screwed on, okay. Like, like you say, you take calculated risks, but Trusting your gut is a good one. I think I think that's underrated in terms of skill set. Yeah. Yeah, having the conviction to trust your gut and think and just like not being dragged in by by you know the 40, 40 yard free kick that you think you're gonna bang in the top corner. Totally. It's, yeah. Right, final question. Uh we could we could look at it, the company, we could look at you, but like where is Ben and redeployable in three years' time? Um, just a, a good team, a team that we've, we've got the same culture, but obviously bigger, bigger team, great brands, um, working with us because then that, that's great opportunity for, for the people, um, who we work with. I just generally think like, uh, Alex Weston, who works for Sparklayer actually messaged me the other day. Kaylee Lewis is somebody who works at Sparklayer and he, he said something like, you must be proud of you must be proud of what like changing people's lives. Like that's what he said to me on a text message. And I just never thought, I don't think like as sen sentimentally as that. I've never felt, mm. but it is right. It is changing. Like fundamentally mm -hmm. she's in an amazing job and she loves it and she's doing really well. And like others are. So I think, you know, our big mission is we always try and focus it on the people. Mm -hmm. we're, we're always going to do that because then we help the people and we'll grow as a business regardless. Yeah. You know, we get the people into these amazing roles. So I just think like thousands, like how can we, the, the a question was like services versus tech why move to tech well how can you impact thousands of people rather mm -hmm. than hundreds of people and i think the limitation from a services business is we need bums on seats lots of bums on seats to to serve thousands of people whereas from a technology perspective we can serve thousands with much less if we get it right so i think how can we impact as many people 
in three years. And if we impact that, those numbers, we'll grow as a business and we'll, the brand will be great and people will be talking about us and referring us and recommending us. And so that's it. Culture, culture and growth through kind of the impact that we have, I think uh, I'd be happy with in three years. Mate, that's probably the best answer I've ever had. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. don't quite know, which is fair enough, right? Because it's really hard. But I think that that's a very succinct answer. So I typically um, offer, which the offer is on the table, you come back in three years, but I'm sure we'll be speaking before then and you can tell us how it's going. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'd be delighted. I think that's a good way to end the podcast, Ben. Thanks for joining me. Cheers, bud. Thank you. There you go, folks. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you've heard, please like, download, subscribe, and tell all your mates to do the same. Before we go, a quick word from our friends at OmniSend, the ROI-focused email and SMS marketing platform for online merchants. Go check them out at getomnisend.com slash your basket is empty. We'll see you next time. Yeah,